Well, good morning. Have you had a good summer? Have you had a chance to get out uh, to the lake and relax a little bit, maybe visit family? Uh, how many of you had a chance to take a vacation this summer? Let me see your hands. Yeah. How many of you had a chance to visit some old friends? Yeah. Yeah. Visit some family. Yeah. I've had a chance to do that. How many of you got a chance to go out to the beach and uh, wherever it might be and, and relax a little bit? Oh, some of you. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, wouldn't life be great if it was simple and uncomplicated? No school, fishing every day. What would life be like? Free of all the distractions and the busyness that we find ourselves concerned with. As we're gearing up, summer is over and getting ready to move into the fall and all the busyness that the fall has. For some, school has already started. For others, it's only a day or two away and trying to get in that last chance to relax before everything gets going again. In our hurried and busy society, we often find ourselves very preoccupied with the activity that takes us away from the very thing that we long for. And that is time with family, friends and a deeper relationship with God. As we take a look today at Luke chapter 10. We're going to see it's good and time fitting to take a look at Mary and Martha, because as we get into the busyness of the schedule this fall, it's good to remind that only one thing is needed, and that is to keep our focus on Christ. Let's ask the Lord's blessing over this time. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we ask your blessing over this message and over this time as we open your word that Holy Spirit, you might speak to us. Well, remind us that only one thing is needed. And that thing that is needed is to sit at your feet and enjoy your presence, which strengthens us and renews us for greater service for you. We ask your blessing over this time. In Christ's name, amen. So what about it? How do we find a solution to all the busy activity? How do we balance life's demands while at the same time accomplishing everything on our to-do list? Some of you might think, that right now is a good time to make that to-do list. Well, I'm talking. You know, some of you are thinking, who do I need to contact? Who do I need to uh, touch base with this Sunday, well, before next Sunday, or before this week? In his book, David Knuntz, Quiet Mind, One Minute Retreats from a Busy World, says in his chapter, Taking Time to See, these are the days of time famine. Time famine. Interesting. As he quotes from Odette Pilar in her newspaper column, aimed at helping people work smarter. She cites some interesting statistics. Listen to this. According to a Harris survey, the amount of leisure time enjoyed by the average American has shrunk 37 percent since 1973. That was a long time ago. But in the same period, the average work week, including commute time, has jumped from fewer than 41 hours to nearly 47 hours, and in some cases, up to 80 hours a week. That's insane. Technology has only increased our pace of life. He goes on to say, I like the term time famine. And starvation is certainly an appropriate analogy for our situation. Many of us are starved for time, and we have a passionate desire to be fed. We are starving for those moments of solitude that we can just hang out. 
cleaning out a drawer through or reading old letters without pressure or guilt. Or starvation deprives us of the nutrition that those in-between times used to give us. A feeling of centeredness in our lives. Uh, an awareness of our spiritual needs and those of our family. A confident sense of self-knowledge. Perhaps he's on to something there. Because before we know it, life has flown by and we haven't accomplished anything. But we've been very, very busy. I like what the comedian Lily, Lily Tomlin said. The trouble with the rat race is even if you win, you're still a rat. My wife put this up in my office at home, right above my desk, right where I sit. So I see it every time I sit down at my desk. And here this little grumpy boy. God put me on earth to accomplish a certain number of things. Right now, I am so far behind, I will never die. Well, I love this story in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. We are reminded only one thing is needed to have a clear focus and purpose as disciples of Jesus Christ. This passage really is more about discipleship than it is about Mary and Martha. It illustrates that discipleship means a wholehearted commitment and devotion to Jesus Christ and that he is worthy of our full attention. The Greek New Testament defines the word discipleship. It's the Greek word is mathetes. It means a pupil, a student. So those of you getting ready to go off to school, you're a disciple. <laughs> One who seeks to learn and examine under a teacher who gives instruction. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your savior, you are a disciple as well. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. As I look at the section of scripture, the first thing that I see and as a reminder in verse 38 and 39 is that discipleship is a matter of the heart. The discipleship is a matter of the heart. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he comes to the village where a woman named Martha opened up her home and we see that gift of hospitality. And I believe that both Martha and Mary desired to honor Christ. They wanted to do everything they can for the Lord. And so what she does is she makes room not only in her home, but I believe in her life. She invites him in. It's an honor to have Jesus come into her home. And I see that parallel that for us, we open up our lives to allow Jesus to come in. But it's more than that, as we'll see. But before we get there, when you have a special guest at your home, 
don't you want to do everything you can to to make preparations to to clean the house and and to make them as comfortable as possible? Don't you think that Mary and, and Martha were also concerned about that? Mary has a different focus, but Martha is interested in, in getting things ready and making a favorable impression for her Lord. In the first century, it was customary for a teacher to have what well, was not customary for a teacher to have female disciples. So it was a very honor for her to have Jesus in her home. However, since that's not the customary practice, we see here that Jesus is breaking the mold. He's breaking the mold of tradition and recognizes Martha and Mary as his own disciples by wanting them to sit at his feet. This giving this is is giving women a very special place at the table with Jesus Christ. Very profound for that first century. Sitting at the feet was a proper way of describing the position of a disciple. On this occasion, the disciples were gathered around Jesus, his disciples there and Lazarus is there and they're all on the floor or reclining on cushions. And Jesus is given that place of honor and he they literally are sitting at his feet as the teacher gives instruction. What impresses me is the desire of Martha to be such a great host. Hospitality is to be commonplace in the Christian community. In Romans chapter 12, we are reminded to use our spiritual gift to serve others in the body of Christ. Romans 12:13 says, "Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality." 1 Peter 4, 9 and 10 says, "Hospitality is something that we are to practice, although others may be more gifted in that area, but says in verse 9, "Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling." How important that is. That's not doing it begrudgingly. Offer hospitality without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. We're also reminded that elders in the church are, are to possess this gift of hospitality. In verse 8 of Titus 1, it says, Rather be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. A parallel passage to Luke chapter 10 is John chapter 12. There it mentions that it is Martha that served while Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother, reclined at the table with Jesus. It says then six days after six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus's honor. Martha served. We often skip over that. Martha served. While Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him, then Mary took about a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And those and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now that's hospitality and with honor to Jesus. How many homes have you been in where you go in, you take off your shoes and then you sit down and your your host or hostess gives you a foot massage? That doesn't happen very often, does it? If you know anyone like that, uh, let me know. I know some very tired mothers that would like to get to know you. We want Jesus in our life. But we want him on our terms. We don't want him to mess with our agenda or our schedule. Yet when he comes in, he shares his glory with no one. He is the star attraction in our lives. And you're moving down one track on what you think service to Jesus is. 
But he surprises you and says it is another. Jesus isn't just a nice guest that we allow to come in our life and we make comfortable. He must be Lord. At the right time, the carpenter takes out his tools and he begins to work on this wall or in that area. And he begins to show us his plan if we listen. Discipleship is a matter of the heart and we invite him into our life. But that is just the beginning of service. We make room for him in our lives and we take time to listen to our Lord. Notice the difference between Martha and Mary. I'm sure both were excited to see Jesus. Uh, The difference is how they respond to him when he is in their presence. Look at verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listening to what he had to say. Who are you more like? Are you more like Martha in the kitchen, busy with the pots and pans? Or are you more like Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus, hanging on every word that Jesus has to say? Martha is concerned about being the great hostess. That's good. Jesus never said this is bad. That's good. Whereas Mary and Lazarus are concerned about hearing what Jesus has to say. That is better. You can serve and honor Christ by trying to impress him or you can sit at his feet and be impressed by him as he makes an impression on you like a potter makes an impression upon clay. Let you take a look at this slide of the potter and the clay. Begins to fashion and begin to form it and mold it. And then it becomes an instrument of service. And when Jesus does speak to you, you make it your goal to move everything in that direction. Write it down. Keep a journal. Because you see, serving Jesus requires a realignment of your priorities. Serving Jesus requires a realignment of your priorities. But what do we need to do? We need to beware of life's distractions. And they are many. Look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, let's be honest. Life is full of distractions. I like to say eliminate life's distractions that rob you from God's best. But the reality is, I know That life just happens. And it isn't that easy. You cannot predict a death or an illness in the family. You can't predict an auto accident or burst water pipes. Or like us upon recently returning from our vacation to discover a broken retainer wall from all the rain. And a moldy smell in our basement. And a lawnmower that needs repair because it was left out in the rain. Not to mention getting children ready for school. On Tuesday, all the good things that need our attention, but only one thing is needed. And time with Jesus must remain the top priority. Let you know that the children are ready for school. The retainer wall and the lawnmower still need repair. Is there anything that's distracting you from sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his voice? In other words, have you developed the habit of discerning God's voice from the noise and the pressure and the demands Around you? 
That's not an easy thing to do. Or does the activity drown out what God has to say to you? If I don't take time regularly to get away and listen to what God has to say to me, I get distracted. My priorities aren't in order because I find that when I I do slow down enough to listen to him, you know what happens? He takes me back to the very place of the things that he had said to me in the past and says that one thing that I said is still the one thing that is needed. I'm waiting for you to take that step to make that your top priority. Recently, I had a time like that, and it was refreshing. It just wasn't long enough. As I took a weekend away with a couple of guys and went away for a prayer retreat. Not only is that going to happen on a monthly or quarterly basis, but daily I am to take that time of listening to him and sitting at Jesus' feet. Because when you do, he will speak volumes to you. It's needed. It's necessary. Well, let me ask you, are all the good things that are on your list, pulling you in many directions, and you simply are moving from one activity to the next? I don't think that's what God's desire is for us. It will always be a challenge to keep the main thing the main thing when there's so many good things pulling us in so many different directions. Darrell Bach, in his commentary on Luke, says, Labor at the expense of Jesus' word is not a good choice. The disciple is to make sitting at Jesus' feet a priority. Another commentator had this to say, The meaning here is that Martha was pulled away so that she became distracted, busy, overburdened. The implication is that Martha wished to hear Jesus, but was prevented from doing so by the pressure of providing hospitality. Therefore, her devotion to Jesus was divided. You see, Martha thought that she needed to be an excellent hostess by inviting Jesus in. Not realizing that it is Christ that is inviting her to sit at his feet like a real disciple would do. That's an honor. Something few women or even men in that time had the privilege to do. Martha's distraction with all the preparations, the scripture says, that she has no time to sit at Jesus' feet. After the house is full of people, she jumps into gear. Someone has to feed them. And, and that lazy Martha, that lazy Mary is just sitting there at Jesus' feet and left me to do all the work. And, and you can almost predict and you can sense that resentment that begins to well up within her. Have you ever noticed that when your focus is on trying to serve Christ in your own strength and you haven't developed that habit of sitting at Jesus' feet and enjoying his presence, that your ministry, your service, becomes more important than anything else and anyone else? So what do you do about it? What do we do about this dilemma? Perhaps what we should do is we should evaluate ministry effectiveness, not on the busyness of the activity or the things on the calendar, but by how many people learn how to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him. I tell you the truth, John chapter 14 says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. You may ask me of anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, you obey 
what I command. It presupposes that there is a relationship with Jesus Christ that is fresh. Focus on being instead of doing. Put it another way, if you're growing in your relationship with Christ, if you're serving out of obligation, then maybe what you need to do is cut back and cultivate that habit of sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to what he has to say to you. Otherwise, you'll get burned out, you'll get stuck in a rut, you'll go, grow cold in your faith, and you'll start to criticize others. You see, misaligned priorities leads to fault finding. Misaligned priorities leads to fault finding. Perhaps Martha had already tried to get Mary to help, but Mary refused. So now she hopes to get Jesus's support. And I want you to picture in your mind Mary and Martha, Mary at the feet of Jesus and Martha busy in the kitchen trying to get Mary's attention. Do you ever been in a situation like that where someone's engaged in a conversation and you're trying to get their attention? Hi, Jesus. It's very frustrating when they don't respond, isn't it? Now, what is interesting here is that all the distractions and preparations that were keeping Martha from spending time with her guest of honor, she now wants Mary to adopt. That's not a good proposition for Mary. For her to... to Leave the feet of Jesus and go busy herself with pots and pans. She has everything to lose and nothing to gain. Put yourself in the context. Jesus is in this small room. He sits down with his disciples and friends. And there you are, like Lazarus, relaxing. And Mary is front and center admiring the Lord. And if this is the same event of John chapter 12, then Mary is anointing Jesus' feet with expensive perfume and wiping it with her hair as Martha served the guest. Who is concerned about eating when Jesus is feeding them a meal that will last a lifetime? You see, because what disciples do is they, they sit at Jesus' feet. Disciples sit at Jesus' feet. You, a disciple of Jesus Christ, need to sit at Jesus' feet. You develop that habit of sitting at His feet. That's what disciples do. It is the one thing that is needed. Perhaps verse 41 should be more read this way. Martha. Martha. You are distracted and worried about many things. Modern version, Martha, chill out. The only one worried about burning the potatoes is you. But only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Can't you see? They're already eating. The point is that Jesus wants to feed us more than he wants us to be caught up in the busy activity for him. Like this slide we have of Jesus washing Peter's feet. You see, what the surprise is, is that when we sit at Jesus' feet, is that when he serves us, he cleanses us, 
And when he begins to wash our feet and wash our soul and remind us of the things that we need to do, it humbles us. It breaks us. And when I first saw this, I almost came to tears because I can't picture myself having my feet washed by my Lord. Peter could not picture it either. You are the king. I should be serving you. The problem with what Peter is doing is that he's focusing on his activity that he must do for Jesus and caught up in his own pride. Of what he might accomplish for him. The problem with Martha is that it is her unbelief. That I need to do a little bit more to impress my Lord. I don't believe that God will accept me for who I am. So I have to do something for him. I have to please him in that way. Listen. When we sit at Jesus' feet, it's not what you think. He cleanses us and serves us. The reason that it was difficult for Peter, as I said, was because he wanted to serve Jesus out of his own pride. And Christ had to expose that and subdue him at the root of Martha's busy activity. She couldn't see her own belief that Jesus was... More than adequate. John, would you help me out? I want to illustrate it this way. Go ahead and bring the card over here. Because as we get busy in ministry and in service, we are like this cup here. You notice everything is focused on service. Thanks, John. We've got the service tray here. And Jesus wants to pour into us and fill our cup. Because we get busy with helping out in the children's ministry. We get busy ushering. We get busy in our own Bible studies. We get serving here and serving there. And we continue to serve. But eventually... We run dry. Unless we sit at Jesus' feet in order for him to renew our strength. Because if we try to continue to serve, there isn't much to give. And notice that those we serve are also need to be equipped to serve others as well. Are you taking time to allow Jesus to invest into you and serve you? Anxiety and worry still our joy of service. First, you must develop the habit of spending time with Christ daily without the distractions of this world. That is the one thing that is needed. And don't cheat this area. When then and then only will you know what you're supposed to be doing. I have to make a list and stick to it because there's a lot of things to do. There's a lot of areas that still need service. People need to be served. Ushers and greeters are needed and people in children's ministry. But I have to make a list of what the Lord would want me to do. And in my office, I have a whiteboard and I list all the activities and I eliminate them one by one. At home, I keep a list and without a schedule or plan, I'm not very effective. I don't know what works for you, 
But whatever it is, guard your time with Christ and you'll be more effective in the other areas as well. Be prepared to disappoint some people. You will find that God's plans for you and the plans of others and what they have for you will be in conflict because their expectations are to put items on your agenda. And before you know it, your anxiety level increases and your joy decreases. Even the expectations you put on yourself, like Martha, can distract you from doing the things that you're supposed to do. If you're a list person, how good does it feel when you cross those things off your list? No greater joy than crossing something off your list and giving that sense of completion and accomplishment. But can you really get everything done if you're spending spending time with Christ as your top priority and get all the other stuff done? I want to share with you a story of one lady I think that will encourage you. Susanna Wesley, mother of John Wesley, founder of Methodism, and Charles Wesley, writer of many great hymns. Susanna Wesley lived just long enough uh, to see many great things in her, her life. She gave birth to 19 children over 19 years. That in itself is a miracle. Unfortunately, nine of those children died as infants, including two sets of twins. One baby was accidentally smothered by a maid. Another was crippled for life in a tragic accident. However, despite the trials that she faced... She faced them with her faith in God, and she learned that she had learned as a child. She was the youngest of 25 children born in 1669 to the family of Dr. Samuel Ansley, a well-known, powerful minister. She was pretty and captivating on the outside, as well as she was in her heart. And the young Samuel Wesley was quick to notice. They wed on November 11, 1688, and when Susanna was 19... She married him, but she did not anticipate the tough life that was ahead. To make the situation worse, Samuel was a poor money manager. Uh, He was also in ministry, and they didn't get paid a lot back in in the the time in in ministry. Every side to venture he touched just seemed to turn to disaster and left him poor and was unable to do much to supplement his income. The generosity of friends and supporters kept him going during the bleakest of periods. And despite his love for her and his commitment to Christ, Samuel was blind to his own faults. And we often are. At times, he was tyrannical and despotic at home. Once after a minor disagreement, he abandoned Susanna and several children for an entire year. No matter what the circumstances, however, Susanna was committed to caring for her family the best way possible. Though resources were limited, she she started a daily school for her children. She said her purpose was exclusively exclusively the saving of their souls. And she did that magnificently. So the rigorous academics never took priority over the instruction in God's word. Each day before class, she set aside an hour to herself for scripture reading and prayer and then led them all in singing hymns. Maybe that's where Charles Wesley and John Wesley got it. It was known as mom's apron time. And you don't see this much today, but my mom used to have this apron around her when she was in the kitchen. And apron time for Susanna Wesley would take that apron and throw it over her head. And she'd spend that time with God in prayer. That was the only prayer closet that she could find. And the children knew, don't mess with mom during that time. That's mom's time. Because Susanna wanted to develop a personal relationship with each child, she scheduled a private appointment with each of them once a week for encouragement. These bonds of faith and love helped them survive continual hardships. 
Twice their home was destroyed by fire and God saved them from the flames. In the second fire, John Wesley, founder of Methodism, was only five years old and he was trapped upstairs. Neither Susanna or Samuel could reach him, but they heard his cries of fear and they began to pray. And before they know it, he appeared in the window and was able to get out safely. To which Susanna would say all of his life, God has something special for you. Two months before she died, she was able to see the fruits of his work. In 1742, her son preached a series of revival messages in their hometown of Epworth, England, to the biggest crowds that the area had ever seen. The blossoming ministry of John and Charles would impact generations to come for the gospel of Christ. Your family is your ministry, but it starts with a priority of making the one thing that is needed time at Jesus' feet. Even the expectations that we put on ourselves can sometimes consume us. I hope that as we look and see that encouraging story of Susanna is a healthy reminder for us to keep a balance in life with the main thing, the main thing, by prioritizing our activity and service. The opposite can also be true, where all you do is sit at the feet and never apply what you know. Spiritual flab is just as harmful as spiritual famine. Ushers and greeters, teachers, helpers are needed. We need an army of volunteers. But only one thing in verse 42 is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better. And it won't be taken from her. Question, how often does the good rob us and rob you and me from what is best? What do you need to cut from your life so that you're enjoying the presence of Christ more and and result being more effective in serving Christ? What is preventing you from doing that? Can you discern the difference between the conviction of the Holy Spirit from the pressure and the expectations of others? You need to be able to do that. You need, you need to be able to discern that voice. Service flows from a full heart. Passion for Christ is the fuel for service and ministry. If there is no passion in service, then you run the risk of serving like Martha and missing the joy of allowing Jesus to fill your cup. But when your cup is full, you can run the race with perseverance like a racehorse out of the gate at the sound of the gun, running with passion, purpose and vision and direction. What distractions, worry or anxious thoughts need to be laid at Jesus' feet so that you can hear what Christ is telling you to do? Are you facing a decision today that you are relying? You need to rely. Lord, what do I need to do? Am I trusting my flesh or am I going to trust you? Only one thing is needed. How many of you made the time? Out of all the things that you've done this past summer. To sit at Jesus' feet. Even though when we're not on our fall schedule. We fill it still with other activity and things during the summer. It is really the opportunity. To make sure that the one thing that is needed is that we sit at Jesus' feet. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we thank you for the example of Mary of Martha. The reminder that the top priority that we need to have in our life, the top thing in our calendar, the top thing in our schedule is sitting at your feet. To be able to listen and be able to discern and hear your voice because it refuels us and energizes and prepares us for greater service. Lord, may we be able to discern that. 
This fall, may we be able to realign our our calendars and our things that are on our agenda to make sure that time with you is the first thing that is blocked out. And we'll give you the honor and the praise in Jesus name. Amen.